coming up in two weeks. You guys excited? You better be excited. It's the biggest event of all of Christianity, right? The day that Jesus died for us and then he overcame death and sin and shame and all of that stuff for us. The reason that we can be Christians is because what Jesus did at the cross, in the grave, and out of the grave, that he's a resurrected Lord and he gives us new life. And so we should be excited. But because of that, we need to make sure that our zesty selves are out there and we're spreading the news, right? That we have passion for people. That's the name of the, the sermon this morning, what we take from the Apostle Paul. Part of the reason he had such a zesty life is that he was always excited about sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. He realized that it wasn't enough that he was a Christian and he knew Jesus, but that he, we're supposed to, we, him, all of us, are supposed to spread that with other people. So we need to be inviting people to church, speaking into their lives, pushing them closer to God in any way that we possibly can. And so with that Easter invitation, we have a little uh, video to show you guys that you hopefully will laugh at. Um, it's just a little comedy thing about inviting people to Easter, maybe more along the lines of what not to do, but check this thing out real quick. Hi, it's your neighbors, Jim and Joanna Sanders. Yeah, we made you some Easter eggs. We sure did. Yeah. Hey, since you're the man of the house, I want to come talk to you mono e mano. Oh. See what he did there? You're a man. Play on words. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Just take a minute. On. I don't want to take away from that pagan golf tournament yeah. that you're probably watching in there. But it did hit me when I saw the trashy secular Easter decorations that you have outside your house that you probably don't go to church to worship our Lord and Savior except for Christmas and Easter like 68.7% of the rest of the American population. Oh, you're my little man, please. None for the neighbors stay on track. we wanted to invite you to our Easter services at our church. Now, I've made the plan of salvation into these Easter eggs here, and each color represents something you've done wrong. What my dear wife is trying to say, when we leave on a Sunday morning to go to church, your car stays out in the driveway, which makes me know that you probably don't go to church unless you're holding a church service in there or something, but I don't think so. So how about you pack up your brood and you come with us to church service on Easter Celebration Sunday, huh? Okay, sure. I mean, my, my wife and I were just talking about where we would go this Easter, so sure, we'll give your, your church a shot. Houston, we have a problem. What's the matter? No one's ever said yes to us before. Oh, uh, what do we do? Well, we just back away slowly, oh, all right? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> don't look at him in the oh, eye. Oh, he could oh, take away your soul. Okay, okay all um, right. Well, just leave the eggs in the mailbox. You sure will. Now, the big red one represents your sin. <laughs> it's the sin egg. All righty. <laughs> we hope to see you there. We'll save you a seat, okay? Really? No, that's just an intimidation tactic. <laughs> okay, toodles. <laughs> Right, so Easter is coming. Don't be like that. Um, we are expecting big numbers on Easter because that is the one time of year when all the people who don't go to church do go to church, right? But it's an opportunity for us. We're going to have a good Friday service. It's going to be separate from the Sunday morning services, um, different. And it actually, we had like 600 people in this room here last year at Good Friday service. So we're expecting a lot of people coming. But here's the thing. The reason I showed that video is I watched that video and I was trying to come up with something to, to show you guys to keep us on point for the sermon. I watch it and uh, 
I got really irritated at the video because I, I don't want to be a Christian like that, right? And I thought it was so corny and over the top. But then as I watched it again and I was listening to it, I, I, I thought to myself, there's another thing that irritates me in that video. And that is that if I really listen and watch closely, it hits a little too close to home in my own life sometimes. There's a few things in there that unfortunately we kind of do look like that when we're having passion for people to, to find Jesus Christ. It sometimes can be kind of shallow and fake. It can be kind of out of guilt. Oh, I'm a Christian. I have to share. Or it can be the kind of thing that, um, this is what I don't want us to be like, the kind of Christians that share our faith only on Easter and only on Christmas, right? Did you know that church is still open all the other months of the year? Every other week, Jesus is still in the house. He still has power. It's not like he's just empowered when, when his day comes around. Now I can bless people. He's the same God every single day, every second of our lives. And yet, we sometimes are just the Easter and Christmas inviters. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to wait for the holidays to invite people to Jesus and invite people to church and invite people to, to know the love and the light and the blessing that I have. The other thing is, that was obvious that those people were real judgmental, yeah? They're just like criticizing everything and the sin egg and all of that. I don't even know. But I start thinking like, oh, that's so lame. We're supposed to be about love. But the problem is inside our heads, maybe. It may not come out in our words, but inside sometimes we put on those little bit of judgments towards our non-Christian friends and family. And we don't necessarily mean to. We want to be attractive. But the thing that we do is we, we secretly kind of judge people. And God said, that's none of our business. The people that are outside of the family of God, they live by an absolute different standard. They haven't met the one that sets them free, the one that gives them a better plan for their life, the one that is telling them they don't need to do all that other stuff because the life of Jesus Christ is better. So why do we hold that standard against them? That's wrong of us, but we do that a little bit. Do you see how that video is silly and it's over the top, but it, it, it touches home a little bit. In my life, in my head, there's, there's times that I'm, I'm thinking those thoughts and I shouldn't be thinking those thoughts. I should be thinking, those people that need to know Jesus need to know that he loves them, he created them, he's got plans for their life and everything is good. And in Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. Remember that when Jesus walked the planet, it was all of the notorious sinners that wanted to hang out with him. It was all the holy religious people that didn't really like what he had to say and didn't want to hang out with him. Remember that? Remember that he had such a love and a grace that he rolled out the red carpet of love into people's lives. He didn't come in with judgment. He came in with like love. I want to get to know you. There's a simple, easy plan of salvation. Christianity's easy. Simply Jesus. Just know Jesus. Just love him. Realize that he loves you and he wants to do something good in your life. We got to be Christians that lead with that kind of love and grace and not with the judgment and the, I saw your car in the driveway. You don't go to church. Shame on you. That kind of stuff. And so that video, the reason I show that is because I want to have this kind of passion for people that comes in with, not with fear and like, oh, he said, yes, what do I do now? But a boldness that would go, well, I may not have all the answers, but let me just share from my heart. My God is good. And whatever questions you might have, let's work through them together. Let's come alongside the family of God and let's, let's work something out because I want to have a passion for the people in my community, the people in my family, my extended family, my friends around me, because people need to know Jesus. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Look at the passion of the Apostle Paul, because we've been focusing on him for Mr. Zesty here. This guy is like fired up and we want to be like him. So Romans 1.16, he says this. He says, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. 
And see, I don't want to be the kind of guy, and unfortunately I am sometimes, as well as you are, I would imagine, we kind of get a little bit intimidated and a little bit ashamed of the gospel message, a little bit ashamed of our faith. As much as we, no, I don't, I'm going to go for God. There's times when it's, it's scary. It's scary to even take that little invitation to Easter and go and give that to someone. And we're a little bit like, I don't want to be coming on too strong. I don't want people to think I'm a holy roller, weirdo, whatever. And there's times we get a little bit ashamed and intimidated. But we, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. And part of our job as being Christians that you can't get away from, that's not an option, is that we are supposed to have a relationship with God. Someone said it best like this. I heard a guy this, this week come and speak to our staff, and he said, we were not created or saved so that we could go to heaven. We were created and saved so that heaven could come to earth and invade earth through us into the lives of other people. See, there's a bigger, bigger end goal in mind than just us knowing God. It's about us knowing God so that everybody else could know God as well. Amen? There's that little thing in the scripture called the Great Commission. Anyone ever heard of that one? Some few, few last words that Jesus left to us, his followers. And he goes, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going up to be with the Father. But before I go, remember that this is who you are and what you're all about. And I'm commanding you. It's a commission. I'm commissioning you. Right? It wasn't the great option. It wasn't the great word of advice. Hey, maybe try this. It'll work good. He says, I expect that you guys will go out into that whole wide world and let people know about me. Make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And remember, I'm with you always till the end of the age. In other words, my Holy Spirit will be with you to help you, to empower you to do it, but that's what it is to be a Christian, is that you share what you have. You don't just selfishly hoard it to yourself. Amen? And so this is a, this is a message that, that, in ways, it steps on our toes, but in a good way, because it needs to remind us who we are, that we have nothing to be ashamed of. Romans 6.23, Paul points out that the wages of sin, which is life apart from Jesus Christ, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That means that you and I are called to be life dealers, right? And you've heard of drug dealers and whatnot. We're called to be life dealers. I look at um, a lot of these, these cool uh, weight loss diet plans and things that are going on right now, you know, in, in the world and all my friends and people in church, Purium and Beachbody, Shakeology and blah, 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 all this stuff and all the weird stuff you got to drink, the green powder, gross stuff. But it's all designed so that you lose weight. And, and these people that are offering these products or selling or, or recommending, you know what they actually are is, is they're coming along and they're saying, oh, this is life-changing stuff. This will change your life. We're promoting life change. And at first I want to go, yeah, right. That's a marketing scheme. You're just trying to make money for me drinking that gross powder. But I don't, I don't want to do that. And then when you start thinking about it, you know the reality is? Those people that are losing weight and getting healthy, they actually are experiencing life change. It's not just about I lost some weight. I know this because I follow a bunch of friends that are on these diets and these plans, right? I follow them on Instagram and I follow them on Facebook and I, and I see what they're talking about. And Instagram primarily because it's all about pictures, right? You post pictures of your life. Well, before they went on the weight loss plan or the diet, I see a lot of pictures of, guess what? Food. <laughs> food, like, oh, this is so good. And it's all bad food. It tastes great, but it's bad food, right? See all of these food things and all this. And then you see all these pictures of their, their family or the weather or whatever, all this kind of stuff. And then you see the time that, that happens when they go on this weight loss plan, this diet or this workout thing or whatever. And as the time starts going by, you know, you start seeing, you start seeing pictures of healthy food for one. But here's the reality is you start seeing a whole lot of what? Selfies, right? Because these people, and here's, the, here's what's going on is they're losing weight 
and they're looking good, and they're not afraid anymore to post pictures of themselves. Now, we would say, oh, yeah, that's great. They lost weight. But the reality of it is, if you've ever lost weight and gotten in shape and you know how it makes you feel, it actually changes and affects all the rest of your life, doesn't it? It's not just how I lost weight, but you start going, I'm confident that I could post pictures of myself because I'm starting to look good. I look hot, right? And you go out and you buy new clothes and you go, I can suddenly have a different fashion sense because I can fit into these things and I'm I'm looking good. And then you start seeing pictures on Instagram and stuff of these people out hiking on mountaintops and out, out trying new sports and doing things that they never did before because they're filled with this confidence and this assurance. And you go and talk to them in person and they're like different people because something changed, their self-image changed, but it literally affected their whole life. And I love that. I love seeing the before and afters and the people that are disciplined enough to do stuff to, to improve their life and their self-image and their eating habits and their health. I think that's so amazing. And I'm like, man, those, those people that are selling those products, they really do have the honor and privilege of telling people, this will literally change your life. And then I stopped and thought about it, and I thought, you know what? That's every person in this room that knows Jesus Christ. We have a product that is better than a diet weight loss plan. We have something that can change people's eternity. And there is people that came into my life when I was a young man. Like I was, became a Christian at five years old, right? The basic belief, I love Jesus, I, I believe in him, I'm going to follow him. But, you know, you're a kid, and it was like right around junior high age when I really started trying to, to make decisions based on my faith and my belief system. And who am I? Do I just go to church because my parents are pastors and I do that? But there was people like Clinton Landeza that's in the back that he's still in church in my family today that was my junior high pastor that spoke into my life. And basically, he was the life dealer in my life. He said, hey, Jesus is the only way. Jesus can, and can come and bless your life, Carl. And he took the time to disciple me and to, he had a passion for young people. And he shared it with me and, and Tom Tom, right? His little brother, but my best friend. And we got fired up on God because someone was this life dealer in our lives. And because of that, I understand that my life was changed. I went through the teenage years struggling with what I struggled to, but I found strength in Jesus Christ. And I found identity in him when I'm dealing with acne and puberty, you know, and all of that stuff. I had Jesus because someone gave me a life change. You guys get what I'm saying? We need to be a passionate people that realize we have something better to offer than a diet plan. We have eternal life change through Jesus Christ that all we have to do is open our mouth and go to people and share and pray with people and, and invite them to church, not just on Easter, but on any one of those other 52 weeks of the year that God is here. He's for people. It's an easy message. But we need to get out of the comfort zone a little bit. Stop being ashamed. Stop being scared, intimidated, whatever we have, selfish. And we need to have a passion for people to find Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's my message this morning. That's a sermon we could go home. But I'm going to actually go a little bit deeper because we got some time on our hands here. But um, it's a life-changing message. I, I recently went through a season of my life that I'm not going to share all the details of with you now. But there's going to become a time when I'm going to have an amazing testimony. When I walk through all that I've walked through, I've walked through some tough stuff, some tough seasons. Some of you, a few, rare few of you might know the ins and outs of what's gone on in my life. But let me tell you this. It is only, absolutely, without a doubt, only possible that I'm still standing as a person today and in my job and my position and as a man. It's only possible for me to do that because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's only as a result of the Holy Spirit giving me peace and strength in some of the heaviest moments of my life. And I can't stress this enough, is that what I have found and what I have that saw me through those times, 
There's a world of people going through that same type of stuff out there right now, and they don't have what I have. And I understand that my obligation, my passion, my desire should be to share this amazing, life-changing relationship that I have with God because I want other people to, to, to be still standing after the storms. You guys get what I'm trying to say? And so we absolutely have to have a passion for people. Paul had such a passion for his people. In fact, in Romans 9, you read the book of Romans, you read Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. It's the story of God trying to have this relationship with his chosen people, the Jewish people, the Israel nation, right? He had this, this chosen people that he said, um, you are my special people. He made these, these unreal covenants and promises with Abraham and Isaac and David. And then he even uh, brought his own son to be born amongst those people to be a Jewish man. And so he had this, this love and affection, these special people, these Jews, but the problem is that Paul puts in Romans 9, 10, and 11 is that these Jewish people had a kind of a spotty relationship over the years, over history with God. We want to serve him. We do good. Everything's good. And then we kind of backslide and rebel and, and go against him. And he said, things aren't so good at that time. Come back to me. And then he sent Jesus to say, you know what? I'm done with the system of law. We're going to do something different. My son's going to come. He's going to live a perfect life, fulfilling the law for all of you. And relationship with him is going to make your life be the best it could be. And you're going to have a relationship with God through this relationship with Jesus Christ. But you know what God's chosen holy people decided to do? They decided to say, no, we reject that. We're going to go ahead and live our own lives. We're going to stick with the law and what we want to do. With Jesus, he's not the Messiah. He's not the man. And there was a few Jews that turned. And Paul, in this place, in Scripture, as he's writing, his heart is breaking for his very own people who are God's special people, and yet they had every opportunity in the world to have the greatest life possible, and they rejected him. And they rejected the, the majority of the Jewish nation and said, no, we're gonna, we're gonna stick with things our way. And so Paul's heart is breaking for these people. This is where his passion comes from. Look what he says in the first few verses in Romans 9. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. In other words, he's expressing, look, I'm telling the truth here. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. And he says, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would, be willing, I would be willing to be forever cursed, even cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Now, here's a guy that had passion, that he himself was a, a Jewish uh, religious leader. He was zealous for the things of God and for the law. He was a Pharisee. But when Jesus came along, he heard that message and he goes, no, that's wrong. It's about the law. It's about status. It's about religion. It's not about this relationship with this guy, Jesus. He's not the son of God. And he rejected it. And he persecuted those that began to follow him. But then on the road to Damascus, as he was out to persecute more Christians and throw them in jail, God kind of just revealed himself. Jesus revealed himself in a dramatic way, a voice from heaven, right? He was blinded for three days. And God put a calling on his life and said, you are going to be my witness to go out there and speak to not only my people, but to all of the other people, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. You are going to be my instrument to go tell this world about me. And so Paul's whole life changed. He gave up his whole way of life, his fame, his status, all of that. Some commentators even believe he might have given up his wife. Not that he gave her up, but she might have left him because he was married. Because you had to be married to be a part of the Sanhedrin, right, that Paul was a part of. And some commentators would say his wife might have even possibly left him because he turned away from the old lifestyle because Jesus got a hold of him so hard and he knew how good that was and he had a message. He went after all these people. He had a passion for people. And we, we see this and we read this and we go, man, 
I read this and I go, I want to be that on fire for, for God, for the things of God. There's a world around me. My church is small in comparison to the size of this community that doesn't know Jesus. We are a minority. And there are so many people out there that need to have their lives changed and we got to do something about it. So I get inspired and I read that how much passion Paul had in 2 Corinthians. He describes, hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. He said, I would even give up my salvation so that those people could know Jesus. And when's the last time we ever felt unending grief or bitterness for people in our life? I hope we do. I hope you'd actually cry and shed tears for the people that you know God's put in your life and that you know need to know Jesus because you care for their souls because people need to have eternal life in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us, Look, I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. You know why they only gave 39? Because if you give 40, that person's officially dead and they can't whip you anymore. So they go, let's whip them right up to the end. That way we can keep whipping them more than one time. So they gave him 39 lashes. Three times it says that happened to him, right? Or five times, sorry. It says three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks, okay, just clarifying for those of you guys, hey, I've been stoned before, no, it's not that kind of stone, he says, once I was stoned, literally people picked up heavy rocks and tried to kill me with them, okay, he says, three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea, I've traveled on many long journeys, I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers, I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles, I faced danger in the cities, the deserts, and on the seas, I face danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, thirsty, gone without food, shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of the churches. Now, this is a big deal when I read this. And I realize, me and you, we're probably not going to be called to go around and be persecuted. No one's going to be beaten with rods, and we're not going to be shipwrecked, chances are, right? Paul had a special calling on his life to go out there and face the persecution and to share and to do what he did. But the amount of passion that he had, don't you think we still are kind of expected to have at least a little bit of that? If we're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ, and the, the, the reality of it is we don't live in a society or a nation where we're not allowed to speak about our faith. We have freedom of religion here. We can speak about God whenever and wherever we want, pretty much, right? There's some limitations on that. But we are so scared to even go and pray for our dinner in public at a restaurant, right? I mean, I hope we aren't, but there's that intimidation factor. And when we tell you, hey, pass out these cards for Easter, go invite people. Um, how many people, when we walk out of this room today, there's going to be cards left on the seats because we're like, no way, I'm not doing that. That's too scary. I'm not going to, I'll talk to the one people I know, but I'm not going to go and give someone a card. This guy, Paul, was going, I was willing to be shipwrecked, beaten, freezing, no food, whatever, because people need to know about Jesus. And we have it, and it's up to us to give it away. And so I look at that, and I go, man, life is short. You know, I went to the, the Passion Conference con concert, whatever it was, this past Tuesday. Did anybody go? You went to that? It was cool, huh? Louis Giglio laying down the word, heavy message. You got Chris Tomlin, the, the God's great dance floor deal, right? We sang that song this morning. Uh, Dave Crowder that looks just like the dirtiest of all hippies, but he's a man of God leading worship. It was awesome. And people were praising and it was just like, man, there's Christians all over in this, this huge arena. What a neat feeling. But I got to tell you this. On my way to the concert, I was all ready to go, going to meet my wife down there and some other people and stuff. We get a call, we get a text from some people in the church. Hey, someone in the church, one of our dear friends, a woman was in 
the hospital at Queens, like a mile away. And she was kind of, basically they said, she may only have hours to live right now. Maybe days, but it may be hours, but it's coming. Pancreatic cancer hit and it hit hard. And so we went and we were kind of all ready for the concert, but I went and picked my wife up and gathered. Went with Pastor Tammy and Mel and we went into this little hospital room. And I gotta tell you guys, I, I didn't even recognize the woman that was in the bed that was supposedly my friend that I know from church, right? That we all, it was one of those instances where, man, cancer is just an evil, devastating disease. And she's laying there and she's morphined out. So she's not even coherent. She's on oxygen. And there was like hair loss. She was just shrunken. It just, it looked different. You know, she just looked really different. And you step into a room like that and you just, you never know how to act. I don't care how long you've been a pastor or whatever. It's just, the reality of life and death is, is pretty heavy. And so we walked in this room and we prayed and my wife prayed and I got to pray and we just loved on the family and did what we could and loved on uh, her in the bed. And it's just, we just stood there in, in the gravity of that moment, of what, what, what death is all about. And just heavy in thinking, she's a Christian and she's on her way to meet with Jesus. And she since then did pass the past couple of days. She's with the Lord rejoicing with the new body right now. And we're so happy for that. But there's the loss and there's the sense of life is so short, guys. Life is so short. And tragedy and death can strike at any moment. This isn't a, a downer, but this is the reality of what are we doing with our years here on earth? Are we making the most of this time that we actually have? And I saw a woman laying in the bed that loved people and loved Jesus, and she, she lived a good life. And we're, we're going to miss her, obviously, but praise God we get to see her again someday. And yet you go from that hospital room, and this is what's weird. Went from that hospital room, drove about a mile away or whatever it is to Blaisdell, and I'm in this arena of people jumping and screaming and lights and God and, you know, all of this great stuff. And it was just weird. It was just heavy for me because I'm thinking, I just came from a room that there's, there's still family members over there a mile away and they're in this, this hardest spot of their lives and we're over here rejoicing and praising and that's just the scope of life. There's a time for praising our God and getting together and, and praising and all that and then there's a time that we make our way out of this life and what was hitting me this whole week was this passion for people is what am I doing while I'm here on this planet for as long as I got because I might just get hit by a car tomorrow and be out of this place what have I done with my life? Because it's not about me. It's about giving Jesus to the world around me. It's about changing this world one little person at a time. I was actually in an argument this past week with my teenage daughter. And you guys know how those things go. They can go back and forth all the time. You know, and in the middle of this, and she's like, why are you doing this and this? And I just, I had to say it. I said, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm mad at you right now, but I absolutely love you. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me that. And I go, I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway. Even if I'm mad right now, I absolutely love you. We brought you into this world. We want the best for your life. So the reason we have to do discipline is to set you up to succeed. While I'm here, I have to invest in you and I love you like no other. Stop it. I don't even want to hear that stuff. I said, too bad because if I go and I get hit by a car tomorrow and I die, you need to know that I love you, right? So, and I walked out, point made, right? <laughs> but I wasn't just doing that for the sake of making a point. The reality is I'm not just here for myself. I didn't meet Jesus. I wasn't created so I could go to heaven. I was created so heaven could invade earth through me into the lives of other people. We got to have a passion for people. Paul was all about it. We need to be all about this stuff. Second Timothy 4.2, Paul told young Timothy, Timothy, preach the word of God. 
be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Don't wait for Easter. Don't wait for Christmas. You go do whatever you can to move people closer to Jesus. It may not be preaching a sermon. It may just be offering prayer. It may just be something like sharing your testimony. But do what you can to make a difference whether the time is favorable or not. And Paul said he had this passion, this, this grief, and this bitterness for his people. Well, who are my people? If Paul had his people, the Jews, we got to ask ourselves the question, well, who are the people that God's called me to? I want you to think about this just real easy. Who are the main people in your little sphere of influence? Who are the people's lives that you touch, that touch yours, that you're close to in your family, in your workplace, uh, the people that maybe you're on like a, a sports team with or whatever? Who's the group of people that God is saying, you need to have passion for people? Start with them because you know them. They're already in your life. I already put them there. They're close to you. I know people that fill out the, the prayer cards every single week for years now. Um, Lord, I'm praying that my brother would be saved. I'm praying for opportunities that you'd use me because I have a passion for him to know Jesus. Use me, God. Help me speak to him. Every single week we get that prayer card. And man, I pray over that one so passionately because I want to join my friend and his passion for his brother to be saved. Who are your people? Paul had his people, but who are your people in life that God has put in your sphere of influence? Those that are in the same things. Maybe that you came out of something before in your your pre-Jesus days that God saved you from, and he brought you out of, and you're thankful, and you're like, I'm so blessed to be out of that, but now your passion is to go after the same kind of people dealing with the same kind of stuff, because God created you so you could relate to those people, because you know best how to pull them out of what they're in, and into Jesus. Does that make sense? And one of my favorite people in our church, I got to say, you're all my favorites. I just got, (laughs) sorry, but one of my favorites is this guy right here, front row Paul. Right? He's always in the, if he's in this church, he's sitting in the front row, direct front and center, middle. The reason why he's so passionate about Jesus and church and people is because two years ago, right, on Easter Sunday, he found Jesus Christ. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And Jesus took him out of a gay lifestyle, a lifestyle that wasn't benefiting and blessing the things of God. And he had been married to a man, right, for like 40 years, 45 years. And his husband had passed away. And he was in a time of life where he's kind of searching and kind of hurting. And a friend recommended, hey, you need to, to go to church. So he came to church to check it out. And his life was never the same. He found the living God. He found peace. He found love. He found acceptance in our church. And he started digging into the word of God. And he had all kind of questions for me in the beginning. Well, what, how come the church believes this? And, da, da, da. and I would just tell him, you know what, Paul? It's not what the church believes. It's about what God wrote in his word. Just seek Jesus. Just go to Jesus. Just look at his word. And you personally ask him and talk to him. He's going to work everything out. I know there's months of him coming and questions and stuff. But you know what? God worked it all out and revealed himself to him. This man's on fire for the things of Jesus. But you know what? You know who his people are? His people are the people that he came out of. Because he has a lifetime full of friendships and family members that are still in that lifestyle. And he's not out to judge that lifestyle. He's out to offer grace and peace and love to pull out of that lifestyle. To come to know that Jesus' plan for life and sexuality is better than what is out there in the world. Amen? And we don't approach it with judgment. We don't approach it with, well, here's the truth. Shove it down your face. We approach it like Jesus did with grace and says, just come get to know you. Come get to know me. I'll work everything else out. And that's this man. And so this man right here goes, who are my people? And he'll say, the sexual minority and all that lifestyle. I'm on a mission to go bring Jesus to those people. Is that cool? But let me tell you this. He's identified his people. Who is your people? 
Because you gotta identify your people. If you don't have any target, you're not gonna hit anything, right? When you start understanding, oh, it's, it's my mom. Oh, it's my family that I live with. It's, it's the, the coworkers in my cubicle. It's the guys on my sports team. It's, a, it's the one girl in math class that always borrows paper. She never has paper, right? And, and I'm there because that's my people, right? I'm called to, to speak a little bit more than just giving free paper, but I can give the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ if I would take the steps and get over my fear and actually open my mouth Life is too short to live it for yourself. Amen? We've got to have this passion for people. And so I believe it's those people around you identifying who are my people. But on the other hand, it goes beyond my people. It goes, it goes straight to all people. Anybody that God brings an opportunity for you to speak into their life, that's your people in that moment, in that instant right there. Let me tell you a story. This past week, Monday, I had a day off. Monday's my day off, right? My Sabbath. And I was uh, on my way out looking for sunshine because I hate when I get a day off and it's just raining and I just, I want to be outside. I want to be at the beach. I want to be either surfing or diving or whatever. And it was Monday and I'm just going, I got to go find uh, sunshine. And I know where sunshine is always at. It's always on the west side. Never rains on the west side. It's like desert out there. So the beaches are always sunny and beautiful. So I drove out. My daughter was in in the back seat. She was sleeping. We went kind of early and um, we're driving out to the west side. And it's pouring rain. I'm like, no. And we're all the way, even in Nanakuli Wainai, it's pouring rain. Like pouring, like hard kind. And I was like, oh, God, come on. And I was looking at the weather report. And it says, by noon, it's supposed to be sunny. So I'm just, I'm praying. I'm holding on to that in faith. It's going to be sunny, right? But as we're driving out in all of this, this rain, there's all kind of traffic. People out on that side aren't used to rain, right? It's like in Noah's day. Like, what? There's, what is this water coming? Where is this? And so they're not used to it. So everybody's kind of freaking out. And the drivers, it's all kind of stop and go and hard. And, and suddenly all the guys in front of me just locked up. And I locked up, but I just kept sliding, hydroplaned right into the back of this nice little, little car in front of me, smashed the trunk. And, you know, I'm okay. My daughter's okay. But the guy in front of me, I see him jump out immediately. And he looks at his car. And he's like, Rah! and you guys can guess what he said, right? Probably <laughs> F word, but not fun or friendly or fantastic. <laughs> Ah, right? And I'm like, oh no. So I jump out, it's pouring rain. And I'm just like, dude, I'm so sorry. I just, I tried to stop. I wasn't tailgating you. It just slid. And he's like, rah. And I go, let's just pull over and do the police report. So I pull into the, the little side and it's pouring rain. And I'm trying to get all my stuff together. I'm talking to him and he's just bummed. He's rattled. And he's like, oh my gosh. But he's like, oh, sorry for my reaction back there. I go, understandable. I get it. I'm like, you doing okay? He goes, no, you, you hit me pretty hard. And I'm just like, oh, feeling terrible, right? And he's like, I don't know, my spine feels a little bit weird in my neck. And I'm like, oh, no, right? But he wasn't trying to milk me. He was like legit, you know? So I was talking to him. But I'm just going, man, he's hurting. And this is a terrible way to start our day and all of this. And then, because I had been listening to the Holy Spirit and pressing into him, you know, the funny thing is, if you ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you, he's actually going to talk to you. But not always at the most opportune moments. <laughs> I'm in the middle of all of this craziness. And the Holy Spirit's going, you should pray for him. I'm like, what? No, I left that back on Sunday where I'm pastor. Today I'm day off. Like, give me a break, right? He goes, you should pray for him. In the middle of this, I'm going, no way, this guy's dropping F-bombs. What if he gets nuts, you know? And I'm like, not now, God. And so I'm dealing with this because I hear this little voice. You should pray. Look, he's hurting. He's this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got to get out of here and get to the beach, you know? Never mind that. And so I, I brushed it off. I blew it. 
I, I let it go, and I just figured, nah, it's, it's going to work itself out. So we filled everything out. Everything's good. The guy calmed down. It's all cool. I had a good day at the beach. But as I'm underwater looking for shells, Holy Spirit's like whispering through my snorkel, you know, like, hey, you should have prayed for that guy. I'm like, I know, right? But let me be honest with you guys. God puts people in our path every day that we have opportunities for, that we have a chance to share Jesus with, and we don't take it. Maybe you do. Maybe you're holier than me, but I blew it on Monday. I didn't do it, and I was kicking myself all week, and I've been thinking about that, and I go, God, I, I don't want to be someone that lets you down. There's more than just my circle of friends that need Jesus. There's a world out there, and when you bring someone across my path, I have an obligation to have enough passion for Jesus to say, this guy needs it too, and this girl needs it too, and this person needs it too. I got to be quick to respond, and I, I didn't. I, I screwed up, and then I was reading this, Romans 10, 14. It says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? See, the, the Bible says earlier verses, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Our message, our faith, it's easy. It's simply Jesus. You're just telling people, hey, just get to know Jesus, get to know his love. Don't worry about all the religious law and all of that. He's going to work the details out. You just believe in Jesus, stay close to him, and it's an easy message. And I had an easy prayer to pray for that guy, and I didn't do it. And he says, how can they call on him to be saved, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, Paul's quoting uh, the prophet Isaiah. He says, that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. See, in Isaiah, the prophet was speaking, God was speaking through him. God was saying, Isaiah, tell the people this. And Isaiah said this verse. He says, how beautiful are the, the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And I was reading this passage and I was, I was just going, man, this is heavy. This is convicting. And the one thing that I took away from this, I hope you guys take away from it. If there's anything you heard me say this morning, you write down in your notes right now, it's the lesson from this verse right here. And here's what it is. Don't have ugly feet. That's it right there. Write that one down. Jot the one down. Don't have ugly feet. When I read this thing and I'm realizing that God is actually concerned with my feet. Do you understand that? See, a lot of people would say, oh, as a Christian, you know, what, what is the thing that really impresses God the most? And you'd say, oh, having a humble heart and being forgiving and you got to have a love for the word of God and you got to be passionate about this or that. But I read this verse and I find out that God is concerned with my feet and that I can either choose to have ugly feet or beautiful feet. You know why that is true? Because God is saying how beautiful are the feet of those that are quick to act and obey and to go to someone and bring my good news to someone. And he goes, for those of you that do that, your feet are beautiful. And I was feeling on Monday, man, I got some ugly feet right now because God told me, take my good news, just pray for this guy. And I backed out. And when I read this verse, I'm going, God, I don't want ugly feet. I really don't want to, you guys are going to change the way you shower tonight when you look at your feet. Oh, I wonder how my feet are doing. I got a hangnail. God, what do you think about that one? But God is looking at our feet and it's not our feet. It's the fact that we're willing to take obedience and have passion enough for people that we would go to them wherever we're at and we would meet them and we would give them what it is that, that he has available, new life in Jesus Christ. And so God is caring and he's worrying about our feet. Well, here's, here's the deal. He doesn't care so much about our eloquence when we talk. He doesn't so 
care so much about the confidence with which we speak or, or how many verses we can quote or whatever. God's just going, but are your feet walking to them and doing what I've asked you to do? That's all I care about. Now, here's the deal. I was beating myself up, and I was just, just grieving bitterly over how ugly my feet were all week long, right? I was like, oh, God, I didn't, I didn't do what you called me to do. But you know what I did? I went and I tra- tracked down my police report, and I found the guy's cell phone number. And Holy Spirit is going, I'll give you another chance. And I was like, oh, man, here we go. And he goes, call the guy right now and tell him and, and offer to pray for him. I was like, what? You know, like, no, I already got ugly feet. I might as well just own it and put shoes on or something, right? And he's going, no, here's your opportunity. Here's your chance. And I said, you know what, God? I, I, I don't want to miss another opportunity. You're giving me this chance right here. So I got the guy's cell phone number. I called him up out of the blue Thursday morning. And I go, hey, is this so-and-so? And he goes, yeah, who's this? Go, oh, this, remember me? I'm the guy that ran into you. You know, this is Carl Moore. I ran into your car. And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, what? I go, well, you know, bottom line is I just... I want to check on you. Okay? How's your neck? You doing okay? I worried. He, he was telling me he was going to start a new job on Thursday, and it was Thursday. I go, were you able to start the job? He goes, you know what? Wow. I appreciate you calling me. I, I can't believe you called. Thank you for checking on me. And I said, no, I just, I, I, I go, honestly, I've been praying about you all week. You know, I'm starting to get the courage up to, to be religious on the guy right on the phone. I was praying for you all week. In fact, I'm a pastor, and I put it out there, right? And I'm like, oh, no, now I'm accountable. I said it, you know? And then, um, so he goes, oh, really? Oh, that's, th- thanks. You know, like, that. okay, wow, thank you. And then I said, you know what? And, and to be honest with you, I go, that day when we were all in the middle of that and it was, we were freaking out and you were hurt and everything was going on, I go, I, uh, 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 I felt God telling me that I ought to pray for you right there. You know, I just said it. And he goes, oh, oh, okay, really? Uh, and I'm like, oh, no, it's getting awkward here right now, you know? But in the midst of it, God's going, but I love your feet, Carl. I love your feet. Keep going. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm talking and, and, and yeah, so yeah, I should have prayed for you. He's like, yeah, well, I'm good. You know, it's all good. You know, I can tell he's kind of like, uh-oh, this is getting weird. And then I go, um, and beyond that, can I, um, <laughs> can I just pray for you right here on the phone? And the guy's like, what? Like, oh, no. And all of my eloquence and all of my, like, my stage presence was gone at that moment. I'm like, this is getting weird, God, but you asked me to do it. You love my feet. My feet are trying to be obedient. And, and you know, as I'm saying all of this, and the guy, guy goes, oh, what did you say? I said, oh, um, can I pray for you? He's like, wait, I can't hear you. You want to play something for me? I said, I'm like, what? What are we, on the radio? What were you thinking, like a guitar solo over the phone or something? What? I, what where'd you get that from? And I said, no, not, I go, can I pray for you? Play with me. No. I want to, can I, can I pray for you right now? And it was my moment to shine, right? I was like, oh, I did it. I got it out. This is going to be awesome. God doesn't care about the words. I'm just going to, just going to say what I feel. And he goes, oh, you know what, Carl? Actually, I'm at work right now. I can't really talk. I'll, I'll see you later. Bye. And he hung up on me. He's like, oh, what? That was my moment, right? And I, I got off the phone and I was just thinking, God, there was it. I, w- I walked all the way up there and God just kind of said, you know what? There's going to be times when people will reject your message. And there's going to be times when people don't, don't receive what you have to say. But Carl, your feet are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen today. That you did what I told you to do. That you carried my message of good news and you walked to that person. And I gave you the second chance. You fumbled it the first time, but you came in there. And you know, all of the eloquence and the right words and the scripture quoting in the world pales in comparison to how beautiful our feet are when we just obey God and say, God, I have passion for you and for people to know you. And I'm just gonna go and stick my neck out there. 
and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to say the words you tell me to say. I'm just going to invite someone to Easter, but not just Easter, all of the other weeks of, of the year that church happens. I'm just going to go and share your word. We need to have a passion for people. And I believe, honestly, I'm okay with that guy hanging up on me because I did what I was called to do. And when you read the rest of scripture, we see that it's oftentimes people come to salvation through teamwork, that I stuck my neck out there and I planted a seed in him, but God's gonna work on that. Someone else is gonna come along and help water that seed and the Holy Spirit's gonna water it. And I'm praying that that guy would receive salvation. They would know what I have. And if he gives me another opportunity, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna be a little bit more bold because I wanna have beautiful feet. So the story's not over with that one, but it honestly, as I thought about it, it might even be one of you getting bold enough that somehow this is a small island. You might even be working on the same guy. Because how many times the, the circle in our lives that we say are my people, there are other people's people too, right? There's other Christians that are working on them. And you just go and you do your part to have passion. Give what you can. And God's going to work it out. It, it, it happens through team effort a lot of times. Was this a good word this morning? Let's have passion. Let's be passionate about people. Let's bow our heads and let's, let's just pray together this morning. God, we... we um, we love you. We thank you personally for what you've done in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the years that I've known you and how you've proven yourself to me. Lord, this is, a, this is far from just a religion. This isn't just some dumb, old, dusty belief system. This is power at work in my life to change my life, Lord. And I'm so thankful for the people that years ago invested in me and pushed me closer to a relationship with you. Lord, I'm so grateful for those people. Lord, I want to be like those people. I want to be able to invest in other people's lives. I want to be able to, to give them the amazing uh, life that I have, that you answer my prayers, you carry me through some of the darkest season, seasons in my life. You brought healing at times to my life, miraculous physical healing, emotional healing, all of that kind of stuff. Lord, you are good. You are amazing. And Lord, we repent and we say sorry for the times that we blow it. Lord, I blew it earlier this week. Lord, I'm sorry for not being uh, just more excited and passionate to share your word. Lord, we're sorry for the times that we're ashamed and we're scared to go and, and share. Or maybe we're just lazy or complacent. But Lord, we don't want to be like that. We want to be a people that are passionate for you and for introducing our friends to you because, Lord, you are the answer to everything. Lord, the greatest gift we could ever give here on earth just pales in comparison. We could give money. We could give houses. We could give whatever. But, Lord, you're the only thing that we can give that lasts for eternity. The only thing we can take with us to heaven is other people. Lord, help us to have that on our minds all the time. 